0: Barnaby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color every week we talk news what we've been playing and tell you who's invited to the cookout our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture welcome to brokaka y'all on me with Khalif Adams is here rocking with you on a Friday 13th getting everything correct on the first time and no one has ever seen me mess up on a live stream because that's not what happens here in Bricago we don't do that we don't mess up we don't get things wrong because we are perfect every time that we come out of the gate even when you mess up Putting the name of the show correctly on the Chiron in the graphics package and stuff for everybody who missed this on the live uh feed (laughs) or who's listening to this in audio form they're like what the hell is Khalif talking about anyway this is a podcast with me on it my name is Kylie fathoms this is called spawn on me we like to talk about diversity like talk about inclusion like talk about tab taboo things that a lot of other video game podcasts don't talk about because we are the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the video game industry look at how i blew that up Perfect. Perfect as usual. I want to thank all of you for being here today. Uh, we have our live recording happening here on twitch.tv slash spawn on me rocking with all of you in the mix. I love how the chat was like the curse of Friday the 13th. Nailed it. Nailed it. Curse of the Friday the 13th has reared its ugly head again. Um, but we're here. I'm in a really good mood. Been listening to uh, the Kendrick album. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the in the episode. Uh, a couple of conversations around uh, some cool news of the day, and a really fun, super awesome surprise that I get a chance to share with you all uh, during this show towards the end of the show. So I want to I want to share that all with you. Um, a little bit later. If you missed out on last week's episode, or not even really last week's episode, cause we're doing two episodes in a week this week. If you missed out on Monday's episode, you missed out on a banger. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the delays that we're seeing in this space. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some more delays that popped up during this week that we got a chance to hear about, but again, Thank all of you for listening to the show. Thank you so much for sharing the show. Thank you so much for being a part of this experiment and this experience every week here on Spawn on Me. I'm excited to be with you all. I'm having a really good week. I can finally say my vertigo is done. It is finally after about two and a half weeks has subsided. It is no longer an issue. I feel like I'm actually back to my normal self, which is great. It's really difficult to feel like your mind is playing tricks on you feeling like it is not in a you're in a weird space trying to figure it all out uh but so that is now no longer a part of the mix i'm really happy about that i was tired of trying to figure out which way was up and that's good to know that that is no longer a part of the equation so now i can be a jerk in all the usual ways uh to all my family and friends that's great I can, I can do all those parts and do those really, really well, which is always good. Um, but that has made it easier for me to game again. It's made it easier for me to start to thinking about trying to get back on the exercise horse because uh, I really need to start working out. Um, I've been actually really thinking a lot about my health um, Uh, in the past couple of weeks. uh, It's really been something I've struggled with for a long time. I'm, I'm, you know, on camera on this shot, I don't look as heavy as I look, but I'm pretty heavy at this point, probably at the heaviest I've ever been. Uh, So I've been asking a lot of the internet to kind of share some uh, suggestions for, you know, you've seen a lot of services that will send food to your home, prepackaged up kind of stuff in that mix because one of the hard parts for me is one i'm an emotional eater uh so i eat when i'm sad uh i eat when i'm happy i eat when i'm bored uh so that's always a problem and then the second part of that is I'm, i'm i'm lazy i don't exercise at all and i need to exercise and get in that space but also it's hard to kind of like do the part where you're not buying and eating bad food. So I've been asking people to be like, if you know any healthy alternatives to that, where stuff just comes to the house, basically just have to like throw it in the oven or throw it in a pot and cook it, uh, or microwave it, that stuff. I'd love to be able to find any of those things because I'm looking for more of that because uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm lazy. Like I hate, I like cooking. I'm just, I'm lazy in terms of my cooking. I cook and cook, but I just don't feel like it most times because I'm tired. I'm always doing so much work and always trying to figure out how to continue to get more things in the mix. So it's, you know, if you have any suggestions for that or if you're a brand who, who does any of that work, reach out. I want to talk to you about that stuff for sure. Besides that, um, you know, really excited about some of the games I get a chance to talk about tonight on this episode Uh, and a lot of stuff that's just happening in the space. So with that <laughs> I like that with that, uh, we're gonna get into the 4-1-1 So first story of the week is all about Bethesda coming out and sharing that they have delayed Starfield and Redfall, Uh, not refall, Redfall. Um, So that's also going to be a real wild conversation for, I think, you know, the rest of this year. I think think it's going to be... Something that we're talking about, I think the internet has been really loud about what this is gonna wind up doing for, the future of 2022 in terms of games we get a chance to play on the Xbox platform. In terms of conversations, we're going to be digging into about, you know, what should we have expectations for? Are folks super disappointed? I think we all are very disappointed at the fact that this game is not going to be coming out uh, when they said it was going to be coming out. But it also changes a lot of the expectations for the upcoming... um, uh, showcase that Xbox is gonna be putting on in a month or about a month from now. Um, Bethesda shared, they said, we have made a decision to delay the launches of Redfall and, Star- and Starfield for the first half of 2023. We're gonna be moving it basically to Q1 of next year. The teams are Arcane, Austin, and Redfall, Bethesda have been incredibly, incredibly ambitious uh, about the games and they want that to be received in the best way possible. We're sorry. We know that this energy is going to not be great, but also we want to make sure that the game shows themselves in the best form of fashion. I saw a lot of scuttlebutt on Twitter uh, yes uh, yesterday uh, when all of this stuff kind of popped up in the news. And to a certain extent, I'm not surprised. I think, again... A running theme through all of these conversations that have happened over the past couple of years, especially in the, the COVID era, has been how much has COVID really delayed and stunted development because of people not being able to have a lot of that work that happens, you know, in a studio, you know, when you're peeking over someone's shoulder and being like, hey, let's get into a room and talk about this. Or, you know, how do you kind of build that conversation out into a much larger, you know, how are we all working together kind of deal? I think it winds up changing a lot of the scope that people foresaw. Um, And then when things don't necessarily hit the mark, what do you do? Do you keep going? Where Bethesda, let's be honest, there is very little room for mistakes for Bethesda with this game. I feel like for Xbox at this point, for Microsoft at this point, the, the conversation is not changing in a huge way. But I do think it is now a thing of you've went out and bought all these studios, you've went out and you've acquired all these teams to give your platform the best chance to fight the competition in Sony and Nintendo. And now two of your biggest tentpole games are going to get delayed. And that feels like a problem for a lot of folks who are in the space, right? I think for Players, I think, yeah, there's a lot of disappointment in in that layer. And I think a lot of folks are worried about the current state of Xbox, if you're an Xbox fan. While I think Sony ponies are really, really, you know, they're like, yeah, we told you so. So what what else did you expect for this to be able to happen? It, It changes a lot of conversations in terms of like how far out now does the move happen where games that we talked about in terms of being you know having in a a launch date how, how like do launch dates even matter at this point because we know most things are going to get delayed um does it matter to showcase that stuff or now does the marketing play wind up becoming we tell you a thing is happening we tell you a thing is in development and then we literally go dark until, you know, six months out when you have a thing to be able to show? Or do you kind of continue to do this, but you signal out earlier, or do you, you tell folks that things are happening and you dribble out more conversations when things are being able to be shown, but you don't give the actual launch date until you absolutely know it's locked in. And basically in certification to be able to tell people like it's coming at day and date, and it's not moving, right? It'll be really wild to see what that change, what that conversation changes to with, you know, now this being one of the biggest games that is not coming in this holiday season, but is gonna be coming soon. How does that also kind of maneuver and change the conversation for a lot of folks within the space around that? It's just hard to balance out uh, expectations and it's hard to balance out, you know, what people are, Kind of needing to feel around hype and how that hype winds up getting kind of squashed when you have a delay when you're trying to do the right thing like i think you're you're always as a company trying to build hype you're always trying to figure out good ways to you know, get your audience really excited about what is coming down the pipe, especially when you're moving into now what is the current gen of consoles. But then when they were talking about Starfield and Redfall, it was that thing that was kind of like, here's what we want you to know so that you can be excited for the next generation of consoles, which is now our current gen. A couple of things popped into my mind as well. So I think, again, I think Bethesda and Microsoft did a really good job of tempering expectations now, giving people a good understanding of what's supposed to be coming and the timeframes and all that kind of stuff. Um, It does change what the expectations were for the showcase. I think the showcase now loses a bunch of steam um, in terms of what games we thought were going to be in that mix and now what we know won't be. Uh, so I think that's one one issue there for them to think about, and also then what takes the place of a game like Starfield for twenty twenty two? What takes place for a game like Redfield, which uh, Redfall, which I don't think was going to be um, this year. I don't think it was. Um, but the was the, and Starfield was the game this season that everyone was looking forward to. We are already kind of past the Elden Ring. Uh, Fervor that was in that space, which is well-deserved, which is now definitely locked in for game of the year at this point. Um, But what moves into that slot? It's not going to be Gotham Knights. Not really. Uh, Them talking about moving away from uh, Old Gen was smart, but that also truncates down the the pool in which you'll see a lot of conversations happen. I don't know what other game is going to be in the mix of that. I don't know what other game is gonna take a spot that big that people are gonna care about that is gonna be almost done that can actually like be in that slot. So that's gonna be a huge deal for them in a lot of different ways. I don't know how they fix that for the upcoming holiday season. And the other layer of that that I was thinking a lot about was Does the, do these announcements of delays wind up putting a lot more pressure on other studios who have games that are potentially coming out this season that I think everybody now at this point are like, that's gonna get delayed. Whatever game that was, that's gonna get delayed. So I wonder if it, one, puts a lot of pressure on other studios to keep their date. Two, I wonder if it adds a layer of pressure to any studio Uh, that's like, man, we think this is probably gonna get delayed. So when should we say it? Should we say it as soon as someone else says it that has a big game out in the mix so that some of that energy gets dispersed amongst all of those crowds? Like you wanna tell everybody bad news all at the same time so you can get over it faster. Uh, I wonder if that's a thing that people are doing. And, And when I'm saying all of this, I'm saying all of this with a wink to God of War Ragnarok, which I think is probably gonna get delayed I don't think that that game is gonna come out this year. It'll probably, in my mind, definitely be a game that winds up getting pushed to 2023, excuse me. But I think it's gonna be one of those things where if it is, and it winds up getting delayed, that then turns that conversation really interestingly back to Sony and, and, and PlayStation to say, you also are kind of sparse when it comes to big mega games that we have an expectation to drop for this holiday season. So then you have Sony and Microsoft both being like, well, we had a lot of stuff that is gonna drop and that's gonna be really interesting that it doesn't and it gets moved to Q1 or Q2 of 2023. The other layer of that that I was thinking about the other night that is actually not a great position is so if God of War doesn't come out this year, in my mind, the next biggest game for them to try to have to promote is Hogwarts Legacy, which also is not a great look for the brand, especially if you think about all the energy that is is revolving around JK Rowling and, you know, all the Harry Potter Layers there, even within the space that was just there for the you know, a lot of industry folks, there was so much bad vibes around that game and what that game represents, and a lot of the stuff that's there. Even though, from a player perspective, lots of folks who were watching those streams around Hogwarts were actually really excited for it. I wonder if that then becomes the game of 2022 for them and it makes me wonder how are they going to navigate that space when that potentially is the biggest game for them of this year and of this season that they have to massage the messaging around you know some a game that is tied to someone that is transphobic that's going to be really interesting to see how they balance that out in that conversation cuz that's not a thing that i think anyone who is working in sony pr is going to want to have to deal with that is going to be a problem child that they have to figure out i think they did a decent job of it with the last conversation but i do think that that puts them in a kind of crappy situation because they're going to get nothing but crap from the press they're going to get nothing but crap from whoever decides that wants to play it and and they want to promote it alongside of it like if you're a content creator how do you talk about that game in a way that's going to feel good for your audience unless your audience is already transphobic and you're just like digging into the grossness even though that game looks dope. Like we talked about it in a couple episodes before of saying, can you cover this thing in a way that feels good as a content creator? I think you can, but I think it's going to be really hard for everyone who's going to be in that mix to have to deal with that. So that's going to be a wild thing to see for the rest of this year. I think Microsoft has a lot of confidence in the platform, doing a lot more stuff with cloud and with Game Pass, but it's going to be really hard for them to really boost the energy for the rest of this year, knowing that that game is not gonna be in the mix for them. So, um, another thing that came out today uh, was really interesting. So the folks over at Activision Blizzard put out this blog post that was around this tool that they have been building to kind of help talk about diversity and inclusion within the way that they're building games across not only their studio but across the kind of family of studios that are that are in that mix for them and they put out this conversation around this tool that they're pulling all these different segments and, and and pieces together of how they're thinking about diversity, how they've uh, gotten information that has helped to kind of inform them from DEI, DEI um consultants, and and they put out this piece that didn't land well at all with the audience, and I think um you know they talked about it in their blog they said they want to see themselves represented in games they said we want to see ourselves represented in games we want to see the barriers that uh you know drop that access lowered uh we have done some work here uh with this tool and this method that they're using to guard against unconscious bias and and exclusion um, with the game characters that they've made and the worlds that they are making. So they they pulled in some folks from MIT Game Lab along this um, organization called King, or I don't think it's King the Developer, or maybe it is a King the Developer, I'm not sure, Uh, which basically turned and made some software that would create and monitor guidelines for character conception and creation, looking at all the ways that basic elements such as gender, body type, roles, heroes versus villains, and such other granular factors uh, such as pose and body movement can suggest powerful things about a character one way or another. Uh, and it says, according to King, uh, globalization project manager Jacqueline Chomadas, uh, once MIT handed over the basic software, the team at King spent the last few years honing and developing it. And mostly as a volunteer effort, they were kind of putting this together for folks to be able to use this. It says people were spending their off hours working on the tool simply because they believed it had so much potential. Um. It says, how does it work? Which I think is actually really interesting. So the idea of the tool to make characters more diverse and inclusive may seem a little hard to wrap your your head around. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Uh, The idea of a tool can be useful. It's a matter of how you use that tool, how you craft that tool. but it has to be more than just, say, a pop-up reminder that between 2017 and 2021, nearly 80% of the highest-selling games in the world featured white male protagonists, according to a study conducted by Diamond Lobby. Says it needs to be more of a part of the incubation process from the start, baking into the pipeline as an unmissable consistency step that is missed uh, often in the development process. So I want to stop there for a second, because I think one of the things, because it's a lot of... Um, breaking down of how this is supposed to kind of help within the conversation about making characters more diverse and making the process of diversity inclusion more incorporated within the product pipeline. When I was working over at Riot, I think one of the interesting layers of all of this, uh, because I was working in the DEI team. And one of the things that we consistently, the drum that we beat was How do you get people who understand diversity and inclusion, people who are from underrepresented groups, people who are within the space to constantly and continuously be a part of the conversation when oftentimes diversity and inclusion comes in at the kind of tail end of production? Right. Um, That's the thing that we want to move away from. It's something that we want to kind of guard against in that process. And we're starting to do a lot of that with the teams that we worked on and building those teams and building those conversations about like, how do you pull in folks early on into that process to, to do that thing. And the spider chart that you see kind of represented here on this screen is a thing that they're touting as a thing to kind of give a visual visualization of how the conversation, how you scale a thing and how do you talk about building the tool so that it gives developers and folks who are thinking about the creation process, better ways to think about, does this meet the mark of what we think diversity and inclusion is? That's where I think the biggest failing of this potential tool can be. Um, and I think the reason that that winds up kind of failing is because then you categorize things that don't really lean into exactly what diversity and inclusion needs to be, nor does it represent data well for the folks who are at home who are looking at this as like, okay, so you got a three in ethnicity, you got a two in culture. Like, what does that even mean when it comes to the process of thinking about what the actual underlying foundation of what diversity and inclusion means is you need more visibility. You need the stories and the characters to be authentic to the places and the cultures that they represent. And how do you build that into the pipeline again, so that you don't have characters that come out into the world and folks who are within those spaces, look at that and they say, this is inauthentic to what I understand our culture to be and i think when you break things down in this algorithmic way where you're like all right so you get a four on style or you get you know oh your your culture is egyptian and you're from an arab space so how do we build that into the equation of what again we want to kind of represent moving out into the world and have those characters again feel like they are authentic i just don't think that this is the way to do it and i think what you wind up getting with a tool like this even though the ideas are based in a want to make the space better it makes things granular, granular, granular sorry granular in a way that actually strips away diversity in ways that we need them to be those things don't those all the things that make up culture all touch If you really wanted to make this a usable chart in a way that I think would make sense, it's really a bunch of Venn diagrams. It's a bunch of circles that touch and they overlap with different pieces of what culture means and what culture makes for folks who are living within it. It is a really weird space to be able to be like, well, yeah, I like what um, uh, YG says in our chat says, this is a weird model, especially after hearing people people's critiques of Lucio's hair. Like, yeah. Like, if we put in faux dreads for a character who is Brazilian, does that connect and give you more points for diversity or less points for diversity? Or does it say we're giving more diversity points because we put in a ethnic hairstyle, but we put it on a character that wouldn't necessarily wear dreads? It doesn't lean into the things that make those conversations more important. And it also doesn't represent the way that I would hope for diversity conversations to land. What this feels like is a, we want our teams to not feel burdened by doing the work that it takes. So we will do this algorithmic version of it and throw a bunch of formulas into this that will spit out an idea of saying, all right, these fit these modes of what we think diversity to be. And therefore this character is diverse. I don't think that that's what you need here. I think this is what you do when you're trying to hit KPIs towards diversity and not get you actual diversity. You can't do diversity through osmosis. You can't showcase diversity really well in a spider chart. I hate spider charts. Because I think they just don't really give you good vis- visuals on what you're trying to showcase. But at worst, what it does is it tries to dumb down the work that winds up happening through consultancy, through having really smart people work in your team who can voice some of this stuff to folks who may not necessarily be, uh, or to the folks that are the decision makers when it comes to these uh, processes of making games. And it also really kind of like moves this conversation into this weird analytical space where I think Austin Walker had a really great tweet today. And and his tweet is exactly kind of what I think it leans into. Uh, Austin Walker says, I can't speak to any of the particular people involved in this instance, but I have heard stories about this for years from artists, writers, consultants, and DEI folks. Just a constant fight against, we're successful without X, prove why we need Y and show us the data. Absolutely have heard that conversation in the mix within a couple of spaces that I've occupied within that space. And again, I think what it does is the the space is constantly asking for diversity and inclusion to prove itself. It is constantly asking diversity and inclusion to tell us why it is important, as opposed to saying it is always important. It has always been important. It is just now that you are finding out that you have an audience that gives a shit about it. And I think that's the part where we wind up landing here, where you wind up doing it as a disservice uh, to the folks who are actually living it, to to the audience that you are constantly missing by not thinking about this in the forefront of your mind, as opposed to a thing that we have to add in and sprinkle in you know, during the development cycle. I think that's where you wind up missing the point. And I think Austin's tweet directly speaks to that beautifully in a way that just nails that part of the conversation in a real way. I think, you know, we see it across many, many uh, companies that are trying to get it in and do it well. The weird thing about this also is that to a certain extent, games like Overwatch have done some of this kind of well, but also they've missed some, of the the, the 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 pieces there, so this tool also feels like a weird, like second guessing of some of the work that they've done. Well, like I would say, Riot has done a really good job in terms of the character uh, diversity you see in a game like Valorant, where I know from personal personal experience that there are a lot of folks that are talking to those teams directly. There are a lot of folks that are in there. Um, uh, diversity and inclusion groups That's not the word that I want to use in their affinity groups that are working directly on these teams and informing them of when they're having missteps or when the process comes down to add a new hero. It is how they are informing a lot of the process to make that work better for the teams. And then you get really good products in the world in Valorant. I think again. I think tools are tools. I think there are biases already built into many of these tools by the folks who are usually the decision makers, who are the ones building it. And I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to shit on the tool, in and of itself. I just think that one, this was a thing that never should have gotten out into the public. There are some things that are out there for public consumption, and I think that there are some things that are. Uh, within that space that you use as things to drive different activations and ways that you want your work to work. But the space is always this mix of, you know, we want to do DI in the right way, but we think about it in a quota perspective and a KPI perspective. We also don't want to over index our talent by making them do work that they don't need to be doing. You should be able to come to work and just do your job and not be asked to be a DEI consultant. You shouldn't as a, that shouldn't be a part of your scope, unless you were asking for that to be a part of your scope. If you wanna take on those layers in your job, you wanna raise your hand and be like, I wanna be a part of that process to make sure we get it right as a game that is gonna represent me as a worker for your company. I think that that's fine, but we wind up seeing that that's not the case in the way it works usually. And you also have the space where you're trying to figure out the good ways to share things like this publicly while also not getting your face eaten by the Internet. The Internet, as you can see right now, as I'm watching this story unfold, they are getting their faces eaten, putting this out into the world, thinking they were doing a good thing. Again, I don't know the process for them. I don't know who got the chance to see this before it went out live to the world. But if this was a thing that I would have seen, I would have raised my hand and be like, this ain't ready for prime time. Don't do it. Cause you're going to just eat all of that bad energy for no reason. When you were trying to do something good that may actually potentially have worth, but then you wind up getting it scrapped because the public, uh, the public perception of it is that it is bad and negative and not worth it. And then you wind up having this vicious cycle of, well, we thought we were doing diversity. Well, we thought we were putting something out in the world and everyone hated it. So we're not going to spend money. We're not going to spend resources towards it. We're going to scrap it. It winds up being that a lot in diversity and inclusion and, uh, spaces where, if you put it in the wrong hands and if you put it in the wrong hands and those wrong hands put it out to the public, it does this weird thing of what Austin said is like, we have, we're doing well here. We saw that this wasn't the thing that worked. So why would we continue to do it and fund it? it? It winds up being a really bad, vicious cycle for all of that stuff. So I would say, you know, I applaud Activision and Blizzard for trying to do something. I just don't think this is it. And I just don't think that sharing it in this way is useful to anyone involved, both internally and externally. I just think they botched that in a real way. I don't think that that's the move for that. Last bit of news is a bit of a surprise for all of you at home. Um, I am a big fan of the game Mother Gunship. Uh, I've been a big fan of that for a long time uh it is this game and I'll show the actual trailer uh here uh mother gunship was this game in where you were getting these guns it was kind of like legos you get these guns you're fighting through this ship that is built out uh and you're kind of putting in these weapon parts you kind of go into the space where you're forging these weapons that have these kind of tinker toy uh spots on the weapons and these these junctions and points where you're like oh i like this gun but i want this gun to shoot faster let me plonk on a new attachment to it to make it shoot like that oh i want this gun to shoot six bullets as opposed to two bullets let me plonk on this part of the weapon to uh, make it shoot better, faster, better, you know, bigger, all of that stuff. The, the dope thing is now they're making a new version of that game that is going to be on, uh, that is going to be in VR. So it's going to do all of that cool stuff with your hands so that you were usually doing with a mouse and keys of connecting all those things. So now you get to do all that stuff in real time now um and do it in a vr space so now you get to like look at your gun in 3d space and be like oh i want to turn it this way and put a weapon here oh let me do this and put an attachment here all of that cool stuff i'm really excited for it. i'm really hyped for it i love the first one from the folks over terrible pros terrible posture Uh, who are the ones who made this game. We had them on an interview a couple of months ago. The announcement is that we are getting an attachment in the game from Spawn on Me. I am happy to present that we are getting our Spawn on Me Spawnies biscuit in the game as they call them gun caps. And those gun caps add layers of you know, uh, uh, you know, cool augments to those weapons. Uh, and they reached out to me and were like, hey, we love Spawn On Me. We wanna do something cool with you all. Uh, I sent them over a version of our Bricago Biscuit Award uh, and they've put it into the game. It's gonna be coming out really soon. It's called the Biscuit Trophy Gun Cap. So you attach this to your weapon and it restores one health anytime you move into a new room. Uh, it's going to be super cool uh, that they're going to share it. the The biscuit on top of the um, on top of the weapon changes, uh, it rotates. Uh, so it's going to be really cool to have that in VR in the game. They're going to put this in. Uh, and it's a cool, it's a cool little announcement uh, to share with you all uh, that that's going to be coming to uh, Mother Gunship's new game uh, called uh, Let me triple triple down. It will show it at the end of this actually, because uh, I forget the actual full name of it. But it's Mother Gunship. I think it's Forge. Mother Gunship Forge uh, is going to be the name of the game that we're going to be in. So this makes for our. Third, Yeah, there it goes. Mother Mother Gunship 4 is going to be coming out next month. This is our third game that we are in as Spawn on Me. Super wild to think about. I'm hyped for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be playing through it very, very soon. Uh, and there's going to be some flavor text in there that I haven't seen yet. But it may reference some conversations that you might have seen from all of us here at Swan on Me talking about our wonderful friends in the gaming industry who potentially can't cook food. So, you know, um, IDARB was the first game that we were in. Uh, Then we had uh, Hitman 3. Uh, We were in that game with a couple of missions that we did. And now we're going to be in Mother Gunship Forge as our third game that we're going to be a part of and in Um, i think it's awesome i think it's super rad i'm super super psyched and and happy that we're going to be able to do it and it's going to be super cool i'm hyped for that in a big way so the, the the biscuit trophy the spawnies are now in mother gunship forge in a small way but i'm really hyped for that so uh we're going to come right back We're gonna take a quick break uh, and right after that, we're gonna do a little bit of what we've been playing and we're gonna bring back an old segment that we haven't had a chance to talk about in a long time. We're gonna go and go hang out at the cookout uh, towards the end of the show. So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Hang out, chill out for about a minute and a half. We're gonna play some ads and then right after that, we'll be right back after this. Much love to you all. Hang out, chill out for a second. We'll be right back after that. What's good everybody in Bercago Khalif here. We have lots of great conversations to have for the rest of 2022. Hoping that you're having a fantastic beginning to your year. I wanted to share some good news with you early. I think it's super cool that I get a chance to say this out loud, but we are now part of the Epic Content Creator Program. Please use our creator code, spawn at checkout in the EGS store. You get to help us grow. You get to help Bercago get bigger. And you also now get Something very, very cool because every month we're going to be doing a fantastic video series that looks into some of the great games that are in the Epic Games Store. So that means we're going to have conversations with developers. We're going to have conversations with folks on the Epic side of things, maybe some folks who are going to be dealing with metahumans or even folks who are going to be doing stuff in Unreal Engine. So lots of great conversations are going to be coming through with a very new video series called Something Epic uh, that I'm very excited to do. And every month you'll have a new video uh, that's going to dig into you know a new game or you know a, or a game that's just in the store. or. You know, even some upcoming content that's going to be in that space as well. So I'm very excited about that. We already have three episodes ready to go. Uh, we have one that's our friend Ariel Knight and Never Yield. We also have the folks from Ember Lab. So we're going to be talking about Kena, Bridge of Spirits. And then also one I'm super excited for, and I think the one that we're probably going to drop first is going to be all around the Matrix Unreal Engine demo. I am super excited to share that content with you. We have lots of goodies coming, so please stay tuned. That'll be on our YouTube channel uh, and we'll be sharing that out monthly. So I'm super excited, super excited to be in the program and hope that you all dig all the content that we're going to be doing with our new show, Something Epic. We'll see you all very, very soon. Make sure you're checking us out on socials at Khalif Adams, at Spawn on Me. And yeah, massive love to my friends over Epic for letting us be a part of your family and getting some dope things in for the rest of the year. Much love to you all. We'll see you soon. Peace. So on our way back in again, if you missed our show, you missed our episode uh, and you missed the beginning parts of this episode, you missed out on some goodness. You missed out on some amazing conversation. You missed out on a bunch of awesomeness and you missed out on a couple of conversations that you should have dug into. And I'm actually gonna go to this screen. That we were digging into around, you know, Starfield getting delayed, you know, all of those things kind of being in the mix and and, and missing out on so many different conversations there. I think, you know, one of the other parts of that was, you know, how are we talking about diversity and inclusion? How are we talking about the ways that we want to make sure that we're getting all of those things correct and all those things right? Uh, And it winds up being something where, uh, you know, some folks are not getting that stuff nailed down, they're not really knocking it out the park in the ways that we had hoped. And we are, they're missing out on a lot of great opportunities to really bridge that gap in a real way. Um, in a ways that we had kind of hoped to see. So sad for them, not for us, because that is not what we need to do. That is one of the things that we are always getting right here on Spawn on Me. One of the things that I definitely want to talk to you all about, because I think it's important and I think it's going to be really cool to to dig into. It looks like I uh, missed on one of my uh, graphics here, but I think, I think that's going to be okay, um, is the fact that, uh Truck to Yomi is a game that I have been very very excited about. I think Truck to Yomi is a game that has been pretty brilliant in what we've been able to see and get a chance to play. I I have been a huge fan of what they've been able to do in that space and what they've been able to kind of bring to the table with this kind of game. It has been something that I have been playing a bunch of, something that I've been digging into a lot and have been having such fun with. It has been something that, you know, when I think of games that I am hyped for this year or had a chance to play that have been extremely good, this has been one of those games that I have kind of played around in and been like, so hyped to see, like, the idea around a game and then that game be really good. That's the thing that we don't get a chance to see that often these days is when you get a chance to kind of see the game, get that first teaser trailer and have that pop up and then be like, oh wow, that actually does really look and feel and play well. One of the things I wanted to talk really quickly about with Trek to Yomi is I've been finishing it. I'm almost towards the, I'm actually in the middle of it. It's probably like a four to five hour game. Um, it's not that long, maybe eight hours at, at most. And you are this one character who's in feudal Japan, you know, your, your, your master has been murdered You're going through the process of, you know, revenging them or getting revenge for them. Um, And I love the art style of this game. I think this game really comes through in a way that I have not seen games like this um, before, you know, really play well with foreground and background with black and white as the main element of how this game gets played and how you think about it in that way i think it does something that is really really smart which is you traverse through these set pieces in a way that gives you this ability to see and be a part of the scenes themselves in a way that really makes use of not only the combat well, but also makes you move through a space in this kind of almost diorama-esque feel. Like, yes, everything in the background is kind of static, but that static, feels alive in a certain way. It feels like you can go out and touch those 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 pagodas, you can go out and touch the grass literally in those spaces and actually like feel like you're a part of it. The way they just move the camera around the space and you move through it feels just really well done. It is something that I was thinking a lot about with a game like Inside that came out you know, like five or six years ago where that was the pinnacle of kind of using that foreground background space. This game does that in an even better and more beautiful way. I have been really, really just like, you know, happy with my game time with it, happy with the way that the combat feels. The parrying feels a little bit off. It doesn't feel as good as it should, but for the most part, it is a game that I think you should absolutely play. It is on game pass you can go check it out you can go you know mess around with it for a couple of hours see if it's for you and if it's not then you know go to something else but i think uh it is a game that i think that you should definitely be checking out in terms of um interesting kinds of gameplay moments and interesting ways that it does this kind of art uh very few games try to do this i think Ghost of Tsushima did a really good job but i think this game even not, I'm not gonna say it surpasses it, I think it's just is different, but I think it does something really, really well that we haven't seen games try in a long time, which I appreciate and love and and, and wanna see more games play around in spaces like that. It, it just feels like, you feel like a badass when you're in those samurai spaces and you're doing that work in that way. So I I am really hyped for that game. I think Trek to Yomi is really good. I think it does something that is just like super fun and and amazing and definitely go check that thing out on Game Pass. The other game that I am playing right now and I am hyped for is The Evil Dead The Game Game. I, you know, we had our our, our video that we did uh, for something epic uh, for this month. Please go check that out please go check out our YouTube channel and go see that. We had Tim Willets, Chief Creative Officer from Saber Entertainment, uh, Saber Interactive. I'm sorry, come on the show and talk about it. And if you're a fan of the Evil Dead, if you're a fan of that world and of that space, this game is fandom and fan service out the wazoo. It is fantastic in what they're trying to do. And pulling together not only this 4v1, Uh, survivor versus monster kind of gameplay, but they're pulling in all of the stuff that makes Evil Dead really cool as an IP and as a franchise. Like you're getting multiple versions of Ash, you're getting iconic characters and you get a chance to play. You're getting just fun asymmetric gameplay and it looks so freaking good. It looks so good. Yes, they put the Raimi version in the game as well. They have different eras of Ash in here. Played by Bruce Campbell also who said that I can't cook thanks to Greg Miller on the internet. Um, but what is really coming through right now for this game is visually it is, it is beautiful. It is really interesting in the way that it feels from both the survivor standpoint and from the survivor standpoint when you're playing this game as the evil deadites, it is not something where you can be on your, not on your A game. You have to be paying attention to everything that's around you. You have to be using all of your dead powers in a way that that feels smart. What also feels great is that you're not just stuck with, you know, the kind of usual, oh, I'm a survivor and if I'm stuck here, I don't really have a way to get out. There's no like thing that pulls it together that's just like, well, I have to sit in this corner and just wait to die. They want you to be uh, uh, not passive in the way that you're playing the game. They want you to be aggressive as a survivor as well so that you can get through and beat the three stages of every round when you're playing it. It's really, really fun. It dropped today as of Friday the 13th. And it just feels extremely good. It is one of my favorite experience so far this year, even if I'm, you know, just gotten a couple of games in, it just already, as a horror fan, is doing all of that work in a way that just feels really fantastic i am excited to get more people to play this thing um i'm hoping that they continue to support it i really like the single player missions i think the one thing that is the stickler for a lot of folks is that this game is is an always online game it is i think you have to have an internet connection to really play it because they're doing a lot of stuff in the back end but the fact that it's cross play and the cross play from what i've heard so far has been working extremely well that makes me really excited like i'm not i'm not worried about those layers of it uh being you know not in the mix so i'm excited for it. i'm gonna play someone stream this weekend um and, and get some games in you know hit me up on twitter if you want to play uh and, and we'll play some games of evil dead together i want to scare the hell out of all y'all and play this game with you all and play it because it's so much fun i'm having a blast with it so yeah that's been a couple of things i've been playing this week uh i'll have more um uh words on how that plays and how, how good it is i'll have some thoughts about mother gunship as well i've also been playing some of the um halo uh new season and i'm not really feeling it I think they made a mistake by making a lot of that content free-for-all content when you need more people to come in and play and free-for-all stuff is super sweaty. I don't know if that's the thing that I would say that would be the best part of that. And also, weirdly, my PlayStation 5, the, the one that's in my living room, I can't connect it via hardwire anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know if something broke. Nothing is wrong with my Xbox when I have it hardwired and connected to the internet. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe the port died. Maybe it was a, uh, a new firmware update that killed the port. I have no clue what's wrong with that thing. And I don't want to factory reset it yet. Because that means I got to redownload everything to that thing. But I may have to factory reset it. And see if that fixes it. I don't know what the deal is with it. So I'm gonna try that this weekend and, and download everything over Wi Fi for God knows how long uh, to make that thing work right. So we'll see. Uh, but that's been uh, some of the stuff that I've been playing this week and excited for all of the stuff that I got a chance to mess around with. So before we get about of here, Uh, we're going to go back into a segment that we haven't done in a very long time. Uh, one where we go and we either give someone some love or we tell them that they need to do better. Uh, and that one is heading over to the cookout. This week's episode of Who is Coming to the Cookout is all about Kendrick Lamar. I am usually a person that is very, very skeptical of hype i am not a hype monster in that way kendrick lamar's album has been something that people have been talking about in anticipation for a very long time the the leaked image of his album cover and him having a double disc album uh being in that space and being something that has been people worrying about or thinking about it was going to be the best of all time Uh, Because of Kendrick's pedigree, you know, very, very specific imagery here of a crown of thorns, baby mama, uh, breastfeeding their child with him holding his kid with a gun in his waistband. Kendrick is a master of imagery. I think uh, Kendrick is a master of telling the stories of the streets in a relatable way that doesn't feel... um, Glamorous in a way that I see a lot of rappers and hip-hop stars do I'm not gonna dig into depth about all of the album I'm not gonna do a Go through the whole track list and tell you what was dope But the thing that came across that's the reason I wanted to do this segment with Kendrick this weekend or this week was the underlying foundation of this album is how therapy was the thing that got him through a very hard time. We are in mental health uh, month, awareness month. I think it was very profound that it dropped in this month. I think it was profound in the fact that we see a superstar, one of the, you know, if you're thinking about the Mount Rushmore or at least the top 20 rappers of all time, Kendrick is definitely within that space. And I think this album has cemented him within the top ten immediately. For a lot of people, he spoke about, you know, uh, uh, his 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 aunt becoming his uncle. He talked about, you know, the the, the idea of transitioning uh, from one gender to another and how he embraced that with his with his aunt. Uh, he talked about the need to understand how the wants of society don't need to necessarily be the wants of you. The need to floss and to have all the things to make you happy is not what made him happy. He talked a lot about this one song that is just like mind-blowingly good, which was the one, um, God, what was it? It was his most recent song. Ah, uh, why is it failing me right now? Let me, let me see if I can pull it real fast. Um, it was the, We Cry Together. We Cry Together is a ridiculously good album, or is a good song, because what I think pulls from it that I wanted to share was we have these fights. People have fights, arguments all the times. And underneath those fights is also still a weird layer of love. And it is a thing that people fight through to get to the end result, which is love. Um, It was, it, it was, it's a hard listen, but the fundamental layers of it are just so good. And I think therapy is the through line through all of it. So I would say before we let you go, therapy is a blessing if you can afford it please make sure you can go do it i think they would serve a lot of folks within the gaming industry to be in therapy and to go to therapy uh and a lot of folks just in society and especially in our communities of underrepresented folks it is a thing that is still taboo it is a thing that people still try to um you know talk down around because there is an understanding that mental health is not or at least an underst- or an idea that mental health is not as important as physical health when i would say is probably they they absolutely go hand in hand in every possible way so i would say keep yourself safe surf out there go listen to the album if you have access to it you know, don't dig into the overanalyzing that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks and months about it because, you know, I want everyone to kind of come to it in their own way. But I applaud Kendrick Lamar for really being vulnerable and being honest and being the most vulnerable I've seen out of an, uh, an MC in a long time in a way that didn't feel braggadocious. It was a very humble album. Uh, which I love. I love humility. Humility is a dope thing to embrace, um, and it was great to see him embrace that within this album uh, and within this this classic that he has put out in, into the world. So I would so I'll leave you all with that thought. Um, I will share with you that I'm going to be on Min Max. Uh, on Monday, we're going to be doing trivia tower with them. So I'm going to be hanging out with min max, doing that work and hanging out with them. If you missed our, um, evil dead, uh, work that we did over in something epic, go check that out on the YouTube channel. Make sure you're getting that into your life as well. And yeah. We have a lot of fun stuff happening. People's pregame is up today as of Friday. Uh, we had a really great conversation there. You can check out the live show of that tomorrow if you're listening to uh, this tonight on the podcast feeds uh, on NBCLX and Peacock TV. Uh, and yeah, have a wonderful, safe weekend. I hope you're all going to be safe out there. Have some fun out there. Uh, and please make sure that you are taking care of your friends, taking care of your family, taking care of yourself. Give yourself space to be quiet. Give yourself space to think about all the things that are around you. Give yourself time to be introspective. Introspection is extremely important uh, in this space and in the world. And it will lead you to good spaces where you can be there not only for yourself, but the people who are around you who need you. So much love to you all. We'll see you all soon. Peace. Until next week, we'll see you all very soon. Much love. And we out. Deuces. Thank you.